Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast where we break down some of the main news headlines in the financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of foreign exchange. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBrew, and I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Market Analyst Roman Zaruk. So this podcast is all about the foreign exchange market. We're going to take a look at some of the main news stories in FX, discuss them, and give our view on what they might mean for currencies going forward. So on today's episode of FX Talk, recorded on Wednesday the 2nd of September, we discussed firstly last week's historic monetary policy overhaul from the Federal Reserve and its implication for US interest rates. We'll then talk about this week's dismal euro area inflation data and its ramifications for ECB policy. And as we tend to do, end of our spotlight currency for the week, which this week is a Norwegian krona. Okay, so it's been a relatively quiet few weeks in the FX market in terms of major market moving news, with a few exceptions, as tends to be the case during the typically quiet August trading period. But we have continued to see some pretty aggressive moves in the major currencies. Sterling's that is around its highest level since the UK's general election in December 2019. Uh, and euro dollars rallied to its strongest position since uh, against the greenback, having rallied almost 7% in July and August alone. This move lower in the US dollar was, of course, exacerbated last week by the Federal Reserve's uh, policy announcement. It's a pretty historic announcement with Chair Jerome Powell unveiling a, a pretty major overhaul to its monetary policy strategy. Now, of course, down the years, the Fed has had a dual mandate in which it aims for both full employment and to target US inflation of 2%. So whenever inflation was to rise above that 2%, it would tighten policy by raising interest rates Whenever inflation fell meaningfully below, it either cut interest rates or keep rates at a record low or adopt a loose monetary policy. So this new approach will see the Fed targeting an average uh, inflation um, forecast over time, instead placing greater focus uh, on that employment goal, particularly focusing on maximising employment for the lower income families. And that will potentially look through short term high inflation in order to achieve that employment goal. Uh, so, hand over to you guys. So, what do you guys uh, make of this announcement, and what does it make, mean for Federal Reserve policy going forward, particularly U.S. interest rates? I think that uh, it's an extraordinary development. I think that this announcement uh, is not completely unexpected, but um, but still, it, it marks a, a sea change in in, in the, frankly in the history of monetary policy making. Uh, the idea is that uh, again, instead of uh, under under existing under the previous framework, uh, as soon as inflation looked like it was going to go 2%, the Federal Reserve was supposed to at least look at, uh, at withdrawing uh, monetary accommodation. Uh, now, not only we have um, an enormous amount of, uh, uh, an unprecedented amount of uh, monetary stimulus in, in the system, but uh, the Federal Reserve uh, has explicitly said that even inflation going above target would not be enough. Uh, for them to consider raising interest rates, uh, it would have to stay above that target for a sufficiently long amount of time to make up for the time spent below target. Now, there is there is a clearly a very strong intellectual case to be made that that is the right this, the right thing to do, and so the change is justified. But nevertheless, uh, the 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 dovish shift is 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 absolutely extraordinary. Um, I think that is not 
it is probably the, the most important development in, in U.S. monetary policy making, at least since back in the 80s when the Fed changed uh, uh, the targeting from, uh, from the number of reserves to the overnight interest rate. This is one of those uh, seminal developments. And it is understandable that as a result, the dollar would go down. It means that, uh, that um, the, the monetary stimulus present in the U.S. will be kept for much longer than the markets expected a couple of months ago. Yeah, and I think it's important to, to stress that it probably wasn't uh, only a natural shift in what the central bank wants to do, but probably the pandemic also prompted it. Because uh, when uh, inflation historically has most of the time, uh, at least looking at the past uh, few years, have remained below the Fed's target. Uh, so generally, they can have some space to let it run above, at least that, that's what they decide. But currently in the situation of the pandemic, uh, if they were to hike interest rates when we saw inflation uh, crossing this uh, 2% uh, or, or uh, nearing 2%, then it would probably have a negative effect on growth. And this is not what you want to do, especially considering the Fed dual mandate and a very special situation in the United States uh, labor market, which currently is uh, shuttered and it's in much worse situation than uh, most of the developed world or actually uh, all of the countries that we are covering. So generally uh, looking at that, this decision makes a lot of sense and I think it's for the best uh, and generally, but it's obviously not positive for the uh, for the US dollar because it means that not only this next year and possibly in 2022, as the Fed dot plot suggested that the rates will stay uh, uh, unchanged, but we might be looking at even more years of stable interest rates uh, in the United States. Yeah, uh, no, no, I, I agree. I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not complaining about the shift. I think that uh, yeah, that uh, in the current circumstances, at least in the short term, it will be helpful. Uh, I just think I, I, I think it has gone somewhat underappreciated how big a shift it is for the Federal Reserve. Yeah, how, I would tend to agree with that, actually. Yeah, I think we, we haven't seen a, a huge amount of reaction in the currency markets. I think potentially, um, given the fact that, I think, as you said, Enrique, in the couple of days leading up to the announcement, um, it was largely expected that Powell would announce this. Um, so we didn't see much of an immediate reaction in the US dollar, although it did uh, sell off in a couple of days after Powell's announcement, particularly towards the end of last week. Um, but yeah, as you said, I think it, it certainly is a, a pretty historic and major overhaul from the Federal Reserve. And as you said, a very strong indication that um, rates are almost certain now to be to be lower for longer, certainly longer than they would have been under the previous regime. With the Fed now going to overlook some short-term increases in, in price pressure above 2%. Um, of course, the risk in the past has been that uh, to place too much emphasis uh, on driving unemployment lower, then that would tend to have an undesirable impact of increase in inflation. Well, actually, the Fed is saying that they don't really see this as, as too much of a risk. Um, so good news for borrowers, good news for the labour market, interest rates. We kept at record lows for the foreseeable future, we think, and as you said, Roman, potentially beyond 2022. Um, so, yeah, plenty of policy accommodation should be good news for jobs, good news for the households. Uh, and hopefully get the economy going, um, U.S. economy going post-lockdown. But of course, yeah, negative for the U.S. dollar. So I think we'll move on to our, our second uh, main topics. And the, the other main news headline out of the markets in the past little week or so 
as arguably been this pretty dismal inflation data we've seen out of the euro area released earlier this week, which was much weaker than expected. The headline number fell into negative territory for the first time in four years and minus 0.2%. The core measure, which strips out the volatile price components, arguably fared even worse, falling to 0.4% versus the 0.9% that was expected. And this is the lowest level on record. And this will be a major disappointment for the European Central Bank. The ECB, slightly different from the Fed, has a sole mandate in order to lift inflation close to their 2% target, but just below. Um, well, current levels obviously well below those levels and below the levels that the ECB uh, had expected in their June forecasts. And this comes despite, of course, the ECB increasing its um, asset purchase programme um, by, uh, by a huge amount recently in order to protect the euro area economy. Uh, so what do you guys think about this uh, inflation miss in the Eurozone? Do you think it'll have any bearing on uh, ECB policy this year? I'll let Roman take this, take this first. Okay, so generally when it comes to, to this recent reading, uh, I think it was such a big surprise uh, that it's hard to make anything of that. And I'm wondering whether this situation isn't just a reflection of the past for the most part, because what we have seen in uh, other macroeconomic data is that the uh, activity of the European economy isn't actually bad. Well, the recent PMIs, the uh, PMIs for August, uh, have put that in question to some extent. But overall, looking at the whole context, uh, taking into account labor market, taking into account retail sales and everything, the situation doesn't really look bad. Uh, and I wouldn't really bet on a prolonged period of, uh, of deflation or, or a very low prices in the Eurozone, uh, because as is the case in the Eurozone, as is the case in many other economies in the world, I would say that we probably are in a better place than, uh, than we thought we were a few months ago. And also the news regarding the pandemic, so both on the front of the developing the vaccine, as well as on the front uh, of this uh, potential second wave, so it's it's not as it, the number of daily cases is increasing, but in a in 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 a major way, it's related with increased tests, and also this uh, doesn't trans translate as much into a, a number of new deaths and hospitalizations. So this is quite uh, positive, even though the economies currently uh, in the eurozone uh, are open. Uh, or at least the, the restrictions overall are uh, very, very uh, weak. Uh, so uh, generally, uh, I would think that they might take into it, it into account, but I would also think that it's only one data point and it's quite contradictory with the other data that we have. So I'm not sure that they would significantly tweak their inflation forecast or uh, that they would be extremely dovish. They might be dovish, but also because of the second reason uh, that we are, uh, the, the second interesting thing that we are witnessing, which is the rally in the uh, euro dollar. And recently we got a comment from the ECB's chief economist, which says that the uh, exchange rate matters. So uh, possibly I would be more interested in what they are going to say about the exchange rate uh, and not what they're going to say uh, about the inflation. Uh, but I'm really, really interested in what will be the, the next inflation numbers going forward, because this was such a surprise. Yeah, I, I'm going to disagree somewhat with you, Roman. I think that is, is, is uh, in the context of ECB policy making, which has a single pillar, which is the uh, inflation target. I think there's this shocker that uh, not only the, the largest one month drop, but also the lowest uh, inflation, co-inflation level in history. 
uh, I think it's, it may well dominate the discussion. And I think the discussion discussion on the uh, uh, euro-dollar exchange rate will only enter insofar as um, the appreciation of the euro may may make it even more difficult to lift inflation going forward. Uh, let's and the the, the uh, Given the typical lags with which uh, the exchange rate filters through to inflation, so I think that is, is uh, there's, there's no way the recent appreciation has had any impact on. So we haven't seen any of the impact from the appreciation of the euro in, in these numbers, and yet the numbers have, have collapsed. And a lot of that is, is, is services. So um, given, I, I hear you as with respect to the PMIs being at good levels, retail sales, et cetera, but given the massive uncertainty uh, and the the fact that in these times sentiment numbers and, and high frequency numbers like the PMIs are less relevant and less are more difficult to interpret, uh, the fact that that uh, we have this this critical number shows such an unambiguous weakness. Um, again, I don't expect them to react immediately to it. That's not the ECB style, but definitely I would expect it to to to, to be a, a huge part of the discussion. And the, the euro-dollar exchange rate to come into the discussion mostly insofar as it will make it even harder for that inflation to rebound in the future. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there, Enrique. I'd say I think it's a yeah, big disappointment this to the ECB. Um, and we'll find out their view very soon. Um, so the ECB, next ECB meetings next Thursday, the 10th of September, um, where it just so happens to be updating its economic projections, including inflation. Um, so, yeah, there's two options, really. could potentially look through this inflation miss, uh, chalk it up to the volatility of the data, uh, talk up, as you said, Roman, the, the pretty solid PMI data, or it could potentially see this as a you know, start of a more downtrend in, in consumer price growth. Um, as you said, I think there's two things really to look out for, um, the first of which is obviously the euro is very strong at the moment. It's the strongest position since May 2018 against the dollar. That tends to have the impact um, of suppressing prices. Um, and of course, as well, unemployment is expected to be um, slightly higher in the next few months once these job retention schemes are unwound, which, again, uh, tends to have a, an impact of lowering demand, potentially lowering prices. So I think the risk to inflation is still skewed to the downside. If the ECB thinks that um, as well, we'll probably get a pretty dovish uh, set of communications next week. They may even lay the groundwork um, a possible ramping up of their stimulus measures later this year, I think. Um, I don't think we certainly won't get an announcement of that next week, but I think if inflation is to remain at current levels the next two or three months or so, I think there's definitely a chance we could see uh, an increase in their emergency asset purchase program later on in the year, maybe towards the, the December meeting. Okay, so I think we'll move on to our, our final topic, which uh, of course, our spotlight currency for the week, which this week is the Norwegian Krone. Uh, and as we have been tend to be doing with these spotlight currency sections is, is picking currencies that are noteworthy, whether that be they're experiencing high volatility or have been in the news for whatever reason. I think NOC has certainly fallen into that category in the past few months. Actually experienced one of the most violent sell-offs that we've seen uh, of all the major currencies during the market panic in March, where it was down over 30% versus the euro year-to-date at one stage, hammered by both, of course, the risk-off modes that swept through markets and this sharp sell-off that we've seen uh, in oil prices. Of course, the Norwegian economy is very closely linked to production of oil, uh, hence the crone 
tends to follow a, a very similar trend as that of all prices. Um, but of course, has since then it has roared back pretty sharply. Um, it's now trading not far off where it was um, at the beginning of the year. Um, so, what do you guys make of this rebound uh, in the Corona? What do we think is in store uh, for the currency in the next few months? Well, uh, as to be expected, I mean, the Corona, the Norwegian Corona, it's it traditionally had a moderately strong correlation with oil prices because uh, oil exports uh, is, is the, the Offshore oil exports are probably the the, the biggest back one uh, factor in the Norwegian economy, and I think that investors are are sending the Norwegian kroner up against the dollar the way they're sending the the buying commodities in general, and I think that uh, going forward the uh, the shift in the Federal Reserve stance that we discussed earlier in the podcast with. Uh, this, this newfound tolerance of inflation is, uh, is a very significant positive for the commodity complex and oil in particular. So um, I think that uh, that the recent rally against the dollar is justified. And in fact, going forward, not just against the dollar, but against the euro as well, I think that uh, the Norwegian Corona is one of the most attractive currencies out there, mostly because of that shift in the Federal Reserve uh, tolerance of inflation. Yes, so the kroner is traditionally a, a, what people call a high, high beta currency, so it reacts with the market and the risk sentiment uh, has been favorable for the kroner as well. So generally, uh, the increase in oil prices, the likely increase in oil prices, the positive risk sentiment that we also expect uh, will continue going forward. The situation in the economy is not necessarily good, but I don't think that it will stand in the way of uh, kroner appreciation and the situation with the pandemic, uh, this is uh, it, it, the number of daily cases is increasing, uh, but we are nowhere near the levels that we have seen uh, in in the spring. So uh, I would I would believe that uh, Norwegian kroner has uh, has uh, more reasons to appreciate than not, and I'm also uh, quite positive regarding the future of the currency. Yeah, I think actually we look at the the, the currency since um, since our last forecast which was around May time. The currency has rallied. Sort of more or less in line with our forecast, although maybe slightly sharper than we anticipated. Um, but we just say at the time of year, we saw the sell off was slightly excessive, particularly given the, the very, very low virus numbers in Norway. Uh, probably driven more by this collapse that we witnessed in all prices rather than any sort of domestic factors. Uh, I think that's going to be the key, is going to be the, the evolution of oil prices in the next few months. Of the oil, all, as I said, very key for the Norwegian economy. Sorry, over ten percent of GDP. Um, I think should we? I think we should probably continue to see a pickup of oil in the next few months. I don't have a strong conviction, but as lockdown measures around the world are eased, I think demand for the commodity should improve. Um, we should get slightly higher oil prices, which I think should be good news um, for the Norwegian kroner um, uh, in the next few months. And that just about does it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the currency markets, visit Ebury's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on during upcoming podcasts. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a week's time. Thank you all very much for listening.